Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. Now this is a special edition that we are putting together and bringing to you as soon as possible because it is on the fish kills at Blaring Dam. Now this is a topic I wished in my entire life that I would never have to talk about but it has happened and you guys, we want to share with you guys what's happened. We want to bring all the information to you to explain what is going on. So that is the purpose of this episode to just give you the facts uh, of this fish kill because it's something that has surprised all of us um, and it is not good at all. So, basically, it's come to our attention mainly through uh, a video that was put together uh, by the Big Bass Dreams Australia guys. It popped up on YouTube during the week um, and it was titled Murray Cod Massacre of Blaring Dam, Big Cod Nightmares. So, it went up on YouTube and it, it got shared quite a bit through the freshwater fishing community. Now, that's the first that I saw of it. Uh, Chris sent it through to me and said, did I know anything? of this and I had no idea of this and 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 it popped up and I was oh, first of all I thought was this now was this recent or was this a while ago so these big fish had died and I had a quick look through the video and the boys said they found them sitting along a section of bank and initially my first thoughts were I hope that maybe possibly they could have died from say one camp or a group of camps maybe catching the fish and and not handling them correctly maybe I was I was fingers crossed this is the reason why not I know that sounds bad but only because of the reason was if it was something else it would be much more devastating um, which it seems to have been which is not good at all now I, I understand not and I hope 99% of anglers out there do the right thing 100% of anglers do the right thing and I hope one day no fish will die from um, mishandling of anglers but a few anglers out there it could still possibly happen you know some people just don't know the way you're meant to hold a fish correctly Anyway, now I got in contact with Cal True from Big Bass Dreams Australia and I actually have him with me right now and Cal was probably one of the first people to see these big cod showing up at Blaring. Cal, um, mate, thanks for joining me. No problem, Reese. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so tell me tell me what you what was you were going up there for a fishing session obviously and because you created the video, it seemed like you were out there to film um, something and, and tell me like how it all unfolded and how you came across these fish. Yeah, sure. So um, we had uh, Oliver Nye over from the States uh, fishing with us and we're trying to get him onto a, uh, you know, another big fish. And we thought uh, we'd take him up to Blaring. It was one of the dams we hadn't shown him yet. Um, so we started in the, in the evening uh, fishing, which most of us who fish Blaring sort of know that it's a pretty common sort of dusk or nighttime fishery. Yeah. And uh, we really smelled, smelled the fish before we saw them and um, sort of smelled you know, pretty strong, pretty horrible, and we uh, snuck the light on and came across the first one and then thought, you know, look, oh, that's strange and probably just an isolated fish, and we haven't seen that many dead fish over the last sort of 10 or so years, but we have seen, you know, one or two here and there. Yeah. And then, you know, went up a little bit further and not really much further up the bank, probably 50, 100 metres, if that, and there was another one. And then another 100 metres, there was another one. And then we sort of thought by that point, well, maybe there's something here. And we actually stopped fishing and went for a look. And then it just it just sort of snowballed really from there. 
Yeah, wow. That's that's not good because I've fished it for a while too and I've never ever seen, I've only seen like one here or there. So you've obviously fished it quite a bit in the last 10 years and did, so you you then found, how many did you end up finding for that night? Uh, so in the night, in the evening or in the video, you'll see, I think we got to about nine or 10 um, and that was just really in one spot. Like it was within probably 500 metres of bank total. Uh, the next day, we went and checked out a couple of other uh, bays and a couple of other areas and found another six or seven without sort of really trying. We spoke to a couple of other fishers that were up there as well, and they'd said they'd seen a couple, not not as many as we had, but in different areas. Um, yeah. So I'd say comfortably there have to be at least, would have been at least 20. Yeah, wow. So, so you put this video up and, and first of all, I want to say thanks for doing that because then that brings light to, to all of us what's going on. So like I appreciate you guys doing something like that and also just for sitting down for this interview today. But so you found these fish. Do you, Had they been there long, do you think? like? Uh, uh, look, I, I'm certainly no expert or, or no biologist. So I sort of, uh, you know, I'm only going from, I get at a, at a real guess really. Most of them looked as though like they were at sort of various um, levels, I suppose, of decomposition and, and it sort of, they looked like there was sort of batch one and then batch two, if that made sense. So it yep. looked like to us that there was probably two distinct times that the fish were killed. Um, and then the lake has been falling, as you, as you probably would know. So yeah. there, there, was, there were almost a different watermark. So some that were probably two metres up the bank, some that were only about a metre up the, off the bank. And then we found yeah. one or two that were actually just in the water or right on the edge. Um, so, look, I don't know, but it, it's probably anywhere from a couple of weeks, you know, to maybe a month old, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, right. I've spoken, to, I've spoken to a couple of other guys since the video went out that, that contacted us. And I suppose a big uh, a big thanks to Chris Cleaver who reached out and uh, chased it up and, and spoke with some of the officials and their sort of stance at the moment is they think it could be related to some sort of like potential blackwater type event, which coincided with about 40 mils of rain in Tumut, which I think was on early in November. I haven't got the exact dates with me, but there was a weekend where there was quite a lot of rain and they think that looks like it could be the cause, but they're sort of still further, you know, investigating. Yeah, 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 true, true. So when you first found the first one, you would have just assumed it was poor handling or died of old age. And then obviously once you found those fourth or fifth one, then you thought something else was going on here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, poor handling gets a, certainly gets a, a fair, you know, wrap and, and a wrap over the knuckles for a lot of anglers. And, um I think that 100% exists. You know, most of us who have fished for long enough and caught enough big fish have had, you know, one, at least one roll over in our time. Yeah. Even when, you know, we do all the right things. So it can happen. But, you know, to, to sort of have it happen on that, you know, level of extent, uh, I think is probably, uh, again, this is, this is no sort of scientific background, but just I think it's probably unlikely. And fisheries are sort of confirming that to us at, at this point. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we saw one, we thought uh, isolated, probably maybe mis- angler mishandling, especially this time of year. You know, the water's warming up. The fish are, you know, arguably spawning or in that sort of mode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at, at susceptible, I suppose, to stress and, and being pulled out of the water and all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, it's disheartening, eh? It's like it, it hurts as a cod angler. You know how much time goes into it. it you kind of just feel like it's, it's gut-wrenching, eh, to see so many potential, you know, trophy fish dead. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, uh, I guess the video, like none of that is obviously staged or any, any sort of rubbish, but when it's pretty, you know, it makes you sort of speechless. You, you just don't really know what to say. It's, you know, if it's angler, if it's angler uh, at fault, like that's, that's obviously poor, but, you know, at the end of the day, the fish are, are, are all gone and we can't mm. change that now. So it's sort of pretty, um, you know, like you said, disheartening. And I guess as anglers and as the community and the response we've received so far is that I guess people just want to know, you know, what, what what's going on. So uh, is it something that, you know, as anglers we can all do better? Is it mishandling or is it, a, you know, a water event? Is it just nature and environment? One of those things that are just unavoidable perhaps? Like, you know, at this point, we don't really know. Yeah, it's yeah, and 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 what you hope is that it no more die. Like like I know there's a lot that have died, but if this turns into thousands of fish, it could potentially ruin a fishery for thirty odd years because some of those fish are absolutely massive and they take so long to grow. And it's just sad now that you know there's like one of those fish could potentially make your fishing trip up there. Like if you guys had caught one of them, it would have made your whole bloody year really. Like a big fish like that, and and now it's gone. So what what sort of threw us and. You know, we've seen, you know, fish kills and, and um, you know, blackwater events in the past. And, you know, we've seen plenty of dead cod mixed in with that. But then what, you know, you've also seen when that's happened is, you know, you're seeing dead crayfish, dead shrimp, dead carp, dead yellow belly, dead everything almost. And the yep. water, you know, in those times has looked toxic, which plenty of people would have seen or witnessed on the Murray and in the Darling and, uh, and even in the Goulburn Rivers. So... We weren't seeing that. So it was all Murray cod. The smallest that we saw was about 80-odd centimetres. There was no yellow belly. We saw, I think, one or two dead carp, but they were also near where there were some camps. So I thought yep. perhaps they were maybe caught bait fishing, but again, maybe I'm wrong. The water didn't look overly sort of toxic in those bays. It didn't yep. look, you know, black. And, and we were sort of we were fishing around those areas and we were sounding around and, uh, even what, when we were, you know, looking for more cod with the light, we saw uh, a few little yellow belly and, and some carp, you know, swimming in, in those same waters close by, and they nothing looked sick. So that's sort of mm. what threw us in the sense that, well, is this a water issue or is it something else? Because we yeah. would have expected everything to die, you know. Yeah, like it could be a genetic thing, which could be a big scary scary issue but yeah hopefully hopefully fisheries are, like they're onto it and they're looking into it so hopefully they find something from this but more so hopefully it just doesn't escalate any further but um before we finish up can you can you explain like where you found the concentration of those fish and also what day were you up there like the video come out yesterday when when were you actually up there when did you see this so we were there on the weekend uh just gone so the video was from uh, Sunday night, I think it was, yep. so the 24th um, yep. or 24th slash 25th. Um, and, yeah, the bays that, that we saw the fish in, uh, all the all the fish in the video were from uh, Yellowin Bay, which yeah. most uh, guys who fish flowering would, would be familiar with uh, Yellowin. We also saw some uh, in, in Browns Bay. Uh, we also yep. saw or had reports from some of the other guys we spoke to that there was – uh, some had, had washed up, maybe not in the same concentration, but uh, yeah. on the sort of Talbingo end where the water is uh, coming in down there. 
Yeah, right. Okay, it's that's not good when they're they're those sort of spots are a long way apart so this is yeah a bigger issue than just you know mishandling or or some issue that's concentrated in one part of the lake yeah cal i appreciate your time mate i really appreciate you short notice just having a chat with us today just so we can inform anglers out there what's going on but uh thanks heaps for that mate and for people who want to know more it's um big bass dreams australia they can follow you guys can't they absolutely yeah um we're sort of uh trying to put out content semi-regularly um, nothing too serious. It's really just uh, following us, having a bit of a fish around the country and uh, showing Oliver certainly while he's over here, hopefully uh, how to catch a fish. Yeah, nice, nice. Awesome. Thanks for joining me, mate. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks, Reese. There are some words from Cal um, who actually witnessed all of that happening up there and it was great of him to join us and just share what he saw because he saw it firsthand and, and initially when I first thought, you know, it could be mishandling and as we spoke about there, he, he found fish in both uh, Browns Bay and Yellowham Bay which are quite a fair distance apart. So after that conversation, uh, I feel... The issue is, well, it is, it's a lot bigger than, than we initially thought. So it's some kind of issue with the water or something that's covering a majority of the dam. The thing that those two bays have in common uh, is they're both very big or sort of very shallow, long, sort of deep bays. Um, not deep in depth, but deep in how far back they go. <clears throat> so warmer, shallower water. So whether there's something that's affecting those certain areas, I'm not too sure. Um Maybe it could be a disease that's affecting just cod because, as Cal said, it's not affecting those smaller species, uh, your yellow belly, your redfin. Yeah, there's definitely a fish kill. So the fish kill is on a blaring dam. Now, what I want to touch on is many anglers are saying that it's anglers targeting cod in spring. Now, I want to say that targeting cod in spring, why they opened it up is because the fisheries did tests to see how many recruit naturally. Um, to see the survival rates of cod that naturally spawn to see if it's even worth having a closed season because the only point of closed season is to leave them alone to breed and that's what we do in the rivers. Now, blaring, a lot of lakes could have fish that spawn when they have an inflow from a river. Blaring doesn't have a river inflow. It's pumped straight out of Junamar into the dam. So there's no river that the fish can move up to spawn. So what they did is they did studies and tests and I interviewed, talked to uh, a lot of fisheries officers over the time um, and even while they were doing the studies, I talked to a few of them and what they were doing is they were they were taking samples of the fish and I think it was like 97% or high 90% of the fish are stocked, which means natural recruitment is very, very low. So with low natural recruitment, it means why have a closed season? Now, people think, oh, they spawn. You still see them spawn. They still have eggs in the nest. That still happens. They still drop their eggs. They still guard their eggs. Um, the eggs still, some of them hatch. So a lot of them, because of that water dropping, yes, the dropping water levels does expose the nests and the fish do leave the nests. If the lake was to stay stable, a lot of those fish may hatch. But the ones that do hatch either get potatoed on, so they get eaten, redfin just destroy them all. Most of them don't survive because in the environment in blaring, it doesn't have the right microorganisms and the right bacteria for the juvenile fish to eat to survive. Because the water's so clear and clean, those small organisms don't live in that lake. Therefore, they don't get the food they need, therefore they die. And that, along with getting eaten and along with dropping water levels, is why a lot of the fish don't survive in there. Now, targeting big cod in spring, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Yeah, people say they're spawning and this is killing them. If 
that is not the reason why. The actual most time, the time that we're at there, they're most susceptible is the middle of summer when it's really, really hot. So you've got that sort of late December throughout January, catching fish and bringing them to, into that top water level where it's really warm and holding them in there for too long. That's what causes fish to die, especially larger fish that are struggling. Catching them in spring, the water's still quite cool. It starts to warm up, but it's optimum for them. They're actually at their most you know, they're physically the most fit they can be, except for maybe some of the larger males that are guarding the nests. Now, it's only males that guard the nests. Um, the females drop the eggs disappear. So, they might be a little bit tired from spawning, but their job's done fairly quickly. Um, it's the males that sit on the nests and wait. So, if anything, if all these dead fish were caused by, say, dropping water levels and the fish have just died there or from angling pressure, there'd be males because males would be the aggressive territorial ones uh, that guard the nests. But my opinion is that that has nothing to do with it. Catching cod in spring has nothing to do with it. Most of those dead fish probably weren't even caught. They're that hard to catch, um, spring or not spring. You know, it, it, it's it's not a reason for the fish to die at all. And also, falling water. Um, the falling water would not kill the fish. Yes, they abandon their nests, which isn't a real big issue because a lot of those eggs don't survive. Well, 90 plus more don't survive anyway. But the falling water doesn't cause the fish to die at all. And the dam has actually this year been more stable than it has been over the past five years during spring. Regardless of the year we had the floods and it filled up, most years they have dropped the guts out of the lake through spring, through November. It falls incredibly, you know, 20, 25% and more through summer. Like one year it fell from 80% to 23% over you know the spring and summer this year has actually been more stable than any other year if you look at graphs on it and it only recently in the past three weeks dropped from 52 to 48 percent and it's still falling now but that's a very minor fall compared to what usually happens at this time of year so the dropping water levels the angling pressure is not the cause of the issue now, what sparked me to put together the podcast and to, to do a bit of research into this is initially the video that popped up um, that Cal and the guys produced, but then also Talis Cottrell and Jack Flanagan were up on the lake yesterday having a look around and they spotted a cot of about 90 centimeters floating mid-water up near the wall. So, this sparked uh, a bigger worry of just, you know, fish being sort of just mishandled or anything. I knew there's something worse was uh, going on here, which wasn't good at all. So, he sent through that photo and the fish looked in good condition and it just started to to decay and float in the water and it was fit, was fat, was healthy. And for a 90 centimeter fish to just die is, is not normal. You know, you see big ones die over the summer from, you know, just old age or the warm temperature or possibly being caught. But those fish are well over a meter 20 usually, meter 15. Never see any around that meter or less. So this was worry. And then later in the day, Talus sent through a fish that was 110, uh, an absolute giant that they found um, on the bank in Log Creek. Um, so this, yes, is definitely a big, big worry. Uh, and whatever the cause, it's not good. Now, I've managed to um, tee up a chat with uh, Cam Lay uh, from DPI Fisheries. He's the program uh, leader for the Murray-Darling and also the drought response coordinator for DPI Fisheries. Now, Cam... Um, Obviously, you guys know all about this, but when when did the first sightings of the fish deaths occur? 
uh, yeah, the first reports came in early on Monday morning, about the 25th of November. I believe we may there may have been some locals um, pick up a few, uh, provide a few reports on the Sunday evening. Yeah, right. So, and how how long do you think those fish have been dead for? Like, have they only just died, or they were they floating for a week or two before you were notified? Look, it's difficult to say exactly. However, uh, the fisheries officers who attended the site uh, believe that there'd been. Uh, at least two separate mortality events. They indicated that some of the fish they thought had been floating for potentially up to two weeks, yep. um, and some of them looked quite fresh, probably like they they were had only been floating for a couple of days. Yeah, okay. And how many are we are we talking? How many have fisheries found? Uh, total numbers are somewhere around twenty to thirty large Murray cod. Um, they seem to all be in a, a pretty pretty substantial size range between around 80 centimetres up to 110 centimetres. Yep. Um, there's been one golden perch um, that we're aware of thus far floating amongst them um, and a number of carp seem to have been inf- impacted as well. Yeah, okay. And have they been have they been located in any specific areas or are they scattered throughout the entire lake? Uh, the majority of the fish we found, uh, I believe in the area that's referred to as Yellowwind Bay. Yep. I don't know blowing blaring particularly well, but that's the understanding I've been given. Yeah, okay. And and from your point of view, and obviously you, you, you'd be conducting conducting tests and things like that but um what what do you think the cause of the deaths were like is it a mishandling thing or is it it definitely some kind of environmental impact do you think i think it's quite unlikely to be a mishandling um uh as being the cause primarily because we're seeing so many fish it would be unusual for that many that many individuals to um suffer mortality due to to um mishandling which would normally um, indicate um, when you get fish kills on this scale that there's some environmental factor at play. Um, we, we have, we've taken water quality readings, we've taken water quality samples, uh, we've taken uh, tissue samples from the individuals that we've been able to collect. Yep. Uh, so we'll spend some time over the next couple of weeks going through all that data and try to work out you know, what really what has been the cause of mortality. Yeah, right. So at this stage, it's it's totally unknown. Certainly, we we. we we wouldn't want to say definitively what we think has happened. Yep. Um, these sort of localised fish kills are not uncommon in other impoundments. Um, we don't really have much of a history of this happening in Blowering, uh, but in other impoundments, uh, we ha- where you certainly when you see short, sharp localised rainfall events, um, you often see um, you know, sort of quite sudden mortality of reasonable numbers of fish, particularly in in sort of uh, reasonably constrained bays within these impoundments. Um, that's typically just caused by a large amount of organic matter entering the storage very quickly yep. um, and that can impact on the available oxygen in the water. So that may be the cause. However, we're not ruling anything in or out at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. So uh, that, that was the next question I was going to ask. Obviously, you just you just answered it. There hasn't been much of a history of, of deaths in blaring before. And back on the samples, do you know how long they'll take to come back? Will it be a, a few weeks or... Do you have an idea? It'll be a couple of weeks for the tissue samples we've taken from the fish. Uh, in terms of the history of fish kills in Blowering, yeah, you're right. We, we, we certainly have seen um, reasonably regular fish kills in Blowering, but usually restricted to small redfin populations. Yep. Um, and we believe that's likely to be a, um EHMV or the, a virus-related uh, uh, fish kill event. Uh, fish kills of this magnitude, they're not uncommon in other storages, uh, but I've been looking back through the fish kill database um, just to earlier today uh, and certainly there's not 
much of a record of fish kills of this size at Blowering. The, the odd big cod does uh, die in the storage, but like all living things, um, you know, they have the, the use by the date too. Yeah. Um, so last of all, um, what should um, you recommend to anglers? Should they stay away from the lake or is it safe and are the fish safe to catch and eat? Well, there's certainly no evidence at the moment to suggest anglers or members of the public should um, change their behaviour in, in any way. Uh, as yep. we indicated before, you know, these sort of fish kills, whilst they haven't been seen routinely in blowering, um, they are, uh, I wouldn't say common, but they, they're not uncommon uh, in other storages. Uh, we, obviously, as soon as we have any further information about what may have been the cause, we'll be, we'll be um, letting the public know um, and uh, you know, through our various channels. Uh, but um, the current advice from the department is that the, the, the storage is very safe, uh, fish are safe to catch and eat, and just uh, continue um, pursuing the wonderful sport that is fishing. Beautiful. Thank you for your time today, Cam. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure, Roy. Cheers, mate. Massive thank you to Cameron Lay from DPI Fisheries uh, for that quick interview and sharing basically what fisheries have done so far. And it's great to know that fisheries are on the job. They've taken samples, you know, water quality and from the fish and the fact that it's about 25 to 30 fish. Um, hopefully it doesn't escalate any further than that. And as he said, uh, the concentration of the fish were found in Yellowen Bay, uh, which is where we already knew based on the interview with Cal. He said he found them in Yellowen and Browns Bay. So hopefully it's just isolated and could be, as he said, uh, maybe a, a runoff uh, from a blackwater event or something like that. Now, upon further sort of investigation, looking, research, talking to anglers, last night um, a few anglers were mentioning that it could be something... Uh, there's two alternatives. So based on everything, there's two sort of key things that we've found out that could have caused these fish depths. Now, none of these are confirmed. We're just telling you what we know and just sharing the info. Now, the first is something called water rollover. Now, um, basically what it is, is when, say, it usually happens when we're coming into cooler months and you get a quick cold snap and the top water surface cools down quickly and actually becomes cooler than the water below which means it becomes more dense and it flips the water changes and moves really quickly so it's almost like a circular current from down to up and what this can do is dislodge um, sediment um, poor water quality it can bring deoxygenated water to the surface and what's possibly happened is is this uh, this scenario and and it's very unique to happen at this time of year but someone who knows a little bit more about it and actually who's a local who fishes the water at least two times a week if not more has actually experienced a few different things that have happened and and also that the fish you know the fishing conditions have changed a bit so I've actually got Clint Hansel with me at the minute to explain this in a little bit more detail. Hey, Clint, have I got you there, mate? Yeah, Rhys, yeah. Thanks for joining me, mate. Can you explain this whole term of water rollover and what you've experienced um, in the last six to eight weeks in Blaring Dam? Because you do fish it a lot. Just explain what's happened. Yeah, sure. Um, probably in the last sort of six to eight weeks, um, I regularly fish that dam uh, probably about two nights a week. And in that period of time, I noticed a significant shutdown um, in fish activity in that time. Yep. With the water rollover, my understanding of water rollover is what happens as the dam sort of warms up and the, the average conditions of the dam um, or the average water conditions of the dam heat up, uh, when we get a cold snap, um, that can significantly reduce um, the temperature of the top layer of water. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and when we also uh, have strong wind conditions that follow that, 
what needs to happen is that pushes all that cold water to one side of the dam. Yep. And the water being heavier um, then suddenly sinks and forces the warm water back up. This then uh, can bring up from the bottom, um, any trapped gases on the bottom, mix in with water, which can reduce oxygen level. Right, so it's that turning over of the water that mixes trapped gases because there's a bit of like almost current flow that then reduces the water quality, say, around the surface of the water, which is where these big fish are actually sitting at the minute. Absolutely, that's exactly what happens. Even a mild uh, water rollover, which uh, in the last sort of three to, to six weeks were weather conditions, which could um, instigate that rollover. Yep. Even a mild, mild rollover... Um, would deoxygenate the water to some level. Yeah, right. So, because I know this water rollover is a thing that happens every year from summer through the winter, and it's a natural occurrence. But obviously, at this time of year, it's not natural. So, is that maybe why the fish are kind of, from your point of view, they could be sort of having an impact from this? What's happened? Yeah, look, definitely, definitely can. Um, it's not a common thing, obviously, in blaring, but the conditions of the weather in the last sort of three to six weeks could certainly have led to a mild water rollover. Um, it would almost be unnoticeable. Yep. Uh, quite often when it's a significant rollover, um, it's quite obvious, you know, the water all of a sudden becomes quite turbid um, and, and dirty looking. Yeah, um, right. Water in blaring um, certainly did diminish a little bit. Yep. Um, ability dropped down a little bit. Um, but in that time too, in the last sort of that period of time, that water temp in the dam reasonably constant uh, from a surface temperature point of view, yeah. and which is not really common this time of year. You generally see a, a, an increase in temperature um, you know, quite gradually, yeah. but it's seemed to remain the same. Every time we, we had a bit of warm weather, it was followed by a, you know, a significant cold uh, snap, yep. and we had some very windy days which followed some of those cold snaps. Yeah, right. So in terms of the fishing, what did you notice? You said the fishing just totally slowed down. Oh, look, absolutely. For me, I was probably averaging, you know, a, a decent fish every five to six hours of fishing up there. Yep. And then in the last uh, six to eight weeks, personally, I've done you know, in excess of 100 hours and one cod on the cast. Wow, so something something's really changed, and considering you got warm weather coming in, it's a time of year when really they should be chewing quite hard. Like there's no reason for them to slow down, except for the fact of this. What could have happened, or what you're saying has happened, which is this rollover of water, which is probably a really key thing that's actually shut them down for sure. And and it's it it's, it could be the cause to these knocking these bigger fish over. Yeah, it certainly could cause some stress. Um, on top of obviously post spawn and, and a few other conditions where the fish can tend to stress, um, certainly could compound to what we're seeing at the moment. And, and look, no reason why, uh, you know, I was starting to ask the question, you know, why are these fish shutting down in that period of time? Because this time last year, it seemed like similar conditions, yet last year the fishing just fired right up in that period of time. Yeah. And this year, you know, winter time was significantly better than, than what spring's been. Yeah, which really shouldn't be in terms of activity-wise. Like maybe your size of your fish, yes, in winter, but your activity should be much higher once that water is over that twenty-degree mark. Really. Yeah, absolutely. The the amount of bites, um, and even the way the fish were, the bites we were getting, even those fish, um, 
you know, they were very tentative bites. There was hardly any really aggressive, you know, springtime yeah. bite. Yeah, right. So, and you're saying the fish can, because they've been popping up now and over the last couple of weeks, they obviously, once this happens, it's not an instant death for them. You're saying they can suffer for quite a while, especially for ones that maybe are trying to stay on their nests up in the shallows, not retreating. And then this poor quality of water, they're kind of just hanging around and then it just, they just, it's just too much for them. Yeah, it can. It's, uh, it can take quite a while for those stressed fish to really show those signs. You know, with the water rollover, can affect different fish in different ways. The ones that are more stressed, um, such as the ones that have been on the nest, you know, they're showing signs of more stress. One last thing, mate. Um, can you just, from your opinion, it's, you definitely don't think it's poor handling or the fact that the water level drops at this time of year because a lot of anglers are saying, you know, we shouldn't be targeting them in spring, leave them alone, and also the water falling, you know, is, is killing these fish. It's definitely not the case, is it? No, in my opinion, definitely not the case. Last year, there was a, a large number of fish caught up there with almost zero um, zero deaths. So I really think that's a contributing factor. No, no, not at all. Anyway, mate, thanks heaps for joining us on the episode and just sharing your opinion on what you've seen on the lake because you've been there firsthand, uh, especially from a fishing point of view. And it just adds a bit more information to this whole issue. But just fingers crossed that uh, not too many fish get killed because, you know, it's an incredible fishery. And if, if too many get wiped out, it's just not going to be good at all. No, look, it is such a great fish. It'll be a, um, obviously a shame. Um, it's a shame that we've lost the fish we have and hopefully it's um, it's limited and we've still got some healthy fish uh, for the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All righty, thanks heaps for that, Clint. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Rose. So there's a bit more info um, in regards to something that it could be, which is water rollover. As Clint said, the fishing slowed right down for him, you know, over the past six weeks and it looks like based on those things that a water rollover actually occurred he said that you know the water cooled really quickly because of at the surface because of that change in temperature a heap of wind pushed it to one side and on that part of the dam it could have flipped really quick and one that's shut the fish right down so from a fishing point of view um, that's something to think about in future it'll shut fish down but he thinks it, it, it could be something that, you know, could cause some stressed out fish to die, but um, it's probably a mixture of a lot of contributing factors, not just one thing. But I just want to mention again, you know, Cal earlier in the, the video, um, myself and Clint, like we're no experts at all. You know, the fisheries are doing uh, their their work. They're the experts. They're the scientists. They're going to figure out what the issue is. We're just giving you our opinions as anglers on the water, seeing this thing happen uh, firsthand. But that's that's what water rollover is, and and, and it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting thing. And and you would have thought maybe back over the last you know twenty years that something like this could have happened at some stage. Like surely we had a cold snap you know, coming into summer or, or something like that. But who knows, the elements might have just aligned up perfectly with um, how the fish were actually spawning and, and maybe this poor quality of water sitting in the shallows you know, normally fish would retreat, but because they're right in that spawning mode and they've just died sitting on the nests trying to guard them. Now, if that was the case, all of those big fish showing up should really be males because they sit and guard the nest. So that's something hopefully fisheries can determine and let us know. So 
That was really interesting and I appreciate Clint for um, jumping on. He was actually in quite a remote part of the country, so I apologize for the poor quality. Just with that connection, he, he jumped on. He was, it was great of him last no, last notice, like very, very late notice, um, and it was a quick phone conversation, and that's just why the quality wasn't great there, but um, still you would have heard exactly what he had to say. So that's scenario one of what could have caused the fish kill from our point of view, this water rollover. And in hindsight, it would probably be uh, the better alternative to the second one that we've um, sort of come across after talking to people over the last couple of days uh, and talking to locals and doing a bit of research. So the second one which we've looked into, which like I said, this is not confirmed. This is just what we know. We just want to share it with you is the fact that the water could be contaminated in those areas. Now, how? Now, one thing we've done a bit of research on is we've talked to some forestry people, some ex-forestry people, some locals who live through that area, Batlow, Tumbrumba area, uh, where the pine plantation is. So, what happens is through blaring, the eastern side of Blaring is all national park and the western side is forestry, state forest. So that's where they plant all the pines and they get quite close to the water's edge along quite a lot of the western side of Blaring. Now, one thing that we've come across is uh, uh, someone uh, told us, this is unconfirmed, so this this, is, this isn't the truth, this is just what we've heard, is that an ex-forestry fellow said they spray... Um, the the pine not the pine but the weeds and the blackberries and around the pines with a chemical called brush off um this is just what we've heard now we did a bit of research into what brush off actually is and um basically there was a thing that we read from the illawarra mercury it was an article um in june 12 2019 and it just states that brush off with the active ingredient metasol furon methyl I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it all right but that was my crack at it has a material safety data sheet MSDS which warns it is very toxic to aquatic organisms may cause long-term adverse effects in the aquatic environment I don't know how true that statement is but it's it's out there and if that's what an MSDS sheet says well then it obviously wouldn't be good if that stuff got in the water and if that's what they use there's a couple of things that could have happened because um, one of these local guys who was actually what we heard is a fellow was fishing up log um, not log Yellowin in Yellowin Bay and he noticed the planes that dropped this because they drop it it's an aerial spray they drop it from aerial planes was quite close to Yellowin Bay but the pine plantation is very close it comes right up to the border there really in Yellowin Bay and and he noticed the plane quite close didn't really put two and two together in, until we we sort of um, someone had a chat with him and then he thought maybe what's happened is either when they when they drop it it's it's very important that the wind's going the right way so it could have easily a wind could have changed like a breeze could have changed and that could have dropped this chemical too close to the lake or even in the lake or what seems more probable is the fact that we had between 25 to 40 mil of rain across the area about 4 weeks ago if this chemical had been dropped you know prior to the rain and the rain has caused you know it to wash into the water this could cause what has happened and what makes it even more sort of seems like the puzzle fits together with this idea is that the deaths and a lot of the deaths are from cod 
in Yellowen and Browns Bay. Now, those bay are, bays are both on the western flank of, well, the western side of the lake. They're very far apart, but they're both near pine plantain. Like, the pine runs all the way along the western side. Now, they're the shallowest, sort of longest bays uh, along that side. They have high concentrations of big, big cod, which would spawn in these areas um, during this time of year. And also what makes it interesting that it's not cod, I mean, it's just cod and not other fish, is the other fish would disappear. They, they would get to deeper water away from these toxic areas. But because these cod are guarding their nests, they, their instinct probably just kicks over and they just have to guard the nest, which is why they're dying. And this could be why we're losing fish from that 80 centimeter to you know 120 meter plus. Um, so this is just one idea. Now, another article that we found on this this what's called brush off with that active ingredient of metasulfuron methyl is as an article with which is a chemical information sheet which we've found published by DPI Tasmania. Now what it says is the opposite to the other article that we read. Um, in terms of human toxicity, it says it has a very low toxicity in mammals. Uh, systemic poisoning is unlikely unless large quantities have been ingested. Uh, the chemical is broken down quickly and eliminated from the body. So there's no adverse effects um, on, on humans. Um, it's, it's a moderate eye irritant. That's all it really says. And in terms of an ecological effect, it says it has a low toxicity to birds, aquatic organisms, including fish, bees, and earthworms. So if this is the case, if this if this is true, then then it means that maybe this hasn't caused the issue at all or maybe the, the, the poison they use isn't what we've been told, but this is just what we heard and, and maybe scenario one could be the, the, the cause is that rollover effect, which could be the likely cause there. But based on other things we've found in other articles uh, and what we've heard from even... Uh, I talked to an old uh, apple orchard, someone who worked in an apple orchard many years ago, and he said every time the sprays they put on the apples and the orchards, it always said it was lethal or, or very dangerous to aquatic environments. Um, it wasn't the same chemical as this, but it's something they used to spray. So maybe if this isn't the chemical, possibly a chemical from the apple orchards way further up had maybe just been you know, sprayed and has washed all the way down the hills and into these areas, these isolated areas. But it, this could be the issue. It could not be. I'm not too sure. It's just what we've found. We've also heard from local farmers um, in the Batlow Tumbrumba region who have farmed dams. They stock them with cod over the last few years. You know, they've noticed that the cods have slowly started to die and perish in these lakes. Could be from a huge number of factors, but a lot of them believe it's because of the chemicals that gets put on the orchards um, then runs off into these ponds, which then kills the fish. Uh, so whether it's this brush-off chemical or another chemical or whether it's nothing to do with it at all, I'm not too sure, but it seems like a logical explanation and so does the rollover event. Honestly... If there, if there was a chemical like uh, contamination of the water, chances are with this rollover effect as well as the chemical, as well as the fish breeding and, and not being super fit, this could cause some fish to die. And, and that's probably the most logical explanation for what has happened. Whether it's one totally or the other, I'm not too sure. The other thing that makes me think it could be more affected by this rollover event is the fact that Talus managed to find, he found one fish uh, in Log Creek. Now, Log Creek is on the opposite side of the lake. No other fish have been found on the opposite side of the lake yet. So, most of them were found on the um, state forest side, the western side. 
Log Creek is on the eastern side. It's on the Snowy Mountains side, um, the Kosciuszko National Park side, sorry. So that fish there wouldn't be affected by this chemical. So possibly the rollover effect has knocked some fish over. And that, with the chemical on the other side, could be enough to kill them uh, because the chemical should dilute in water and shouldn't have a big impact. But when the fish have got this rollover uh, effect with the, the deoxygenated water in the shallows, the fact that they're breeding and they don't want to move away from their nest could have caused them to die. If this had have happened in winter or in the middle of summer when they're not breeding, we probably wouldn't have even noticed anything had happened. And the fact that one has died on the opposite side could mean that it, because it was a solo fish though, it could just mean it died of old age. Who knows? Because big fish do pop up here and there, um, maybe a few from mishandling and a few that have just carked it from old age and the hot, warm temperature of the water. So they're the two different scenarios that we've sort of researched and come up with that could be the issue. But like I said, none of this is, by, is backed by any like concrete evidence. It's just what we've heard. And basically... All we want to do is just wait to hear what fisheries have to say and release a statement on what has caused the issue. But based on what we feel it could be, if it is contaminated water, I would probably recommend against eat, not eating any of the fish in the lake just until we find out exactly what it is. Even though one of the documents say that it's not lethal and others say it is, um, yeah, just I would I would re remain sort of don't eat the fish. I would. Don't eat the fish at all. Any of the species in there, just avoid eating them for the time being. Um, if you like to keep a yellow belly, a redfin, or even a legal size cod, I would just uh, steer away from doing that. In terms of fishing the lake, I don't really, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on that really at all. Um, I don't see any harm in still going up and fishing the place, um, or whether you just want to steer clear of it, especially with cod opening coming up this weekend. There's the Hammy Cup. It's going to be on at Blaring uh, the weekend after. You know, people are going to be fishing it then for sure. So if you're heading up there for cod opening or, or this weekend, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with fishing. Probably steer clear of those couple of areas. Maybe fish the other side of the lake if you're really keen to get up there and have a fish. But yeah, honestly, I, I don't know in that aspect whether to fish or not. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it's dangerous to humans, whatever's happened. Um, it just seems to be with the cod, which is a sad, sad, it's so sad. Like, as I talked to Clint, he's just devastated. So is Cal. And like, one of those fish would make our fishing trip. Like, one of those like we'd fish all winter and one of those big fish could be the fish that you catch in a couple of years time to make your whole year just like in so good and now it's gone and 50 plus could have been gone so you know we've heard about 30 there's there should there would probably easily be 50 up there that could have could have died and more could keep dying but we just fingers crossed no more die hopefully it's very isolated and the lake stays healthy for decades to come and we don't see anything like this happen ever again hopefully they figure out what has happened so that um we can make sure and things can be put in place to make sure it doesn't happen again if it was an environmental impact just just natural just from water rollover and temperature change and the fact that they were breeding then nothing we can do about that um, if it was something that was a negligence in terms of issues with chemicals then something will definitely need to be done about that but um, yeah as a positive from this fisheries we had to study those big fish that have died um, it's a very minor positive but they'll take the odorless out and test them and see see what they um, what they come up with there uh, yeah I'm, I'm devastated it's uh, it's an incredible fishery one of the best cod 
impairments going like a lot of them are great but blaring is just something different with the clear water then it's insane fishing and the size of the fish is just incredible i just hope a lot of the big ones are still in there uh, i know there's a lot of big fish in there but you know 50 50 plus dying uh, in that sort of size range is going to take a big hit to the that population of bigger fish so yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big shame, but um, hopefully you've uh, you gained a bit of light from the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the fact that we did a bit of research and put it together uh, just to explain what's going on. We also have, if you haven't seen already, an article that's published on the Social Fishing website that basically is a summary of what I've explained in this podcast um, in written form. So if you want to go have a read at that, go have a look. Um, if you know someone who might be interested in this podcast, just send it through to them you know, share a link uh, to wherever, whatever app you're listening to it on. It's also available on the social fishing website. You can listen to it there and go have a read of the article and share that around as well. Um, I'm planning to maybe put together a short video as well for YouTube. Not too sure yet. Um, I'm going to head up the dam uh, soon and just go see if we can find any of them for ourselves and see what it's like. But uh, yeah, that's that's the, uh, the heartbreaking uh, podcast I've had to put together, unfortunately. Um, I hope you, yeah, um, I don't know, yeah, it's it's sad, it's it's very sad, but uh, it's it's happened now, so I guess we've just got to learn from from what's happened. But I first of all, what I want to do before we finish up as well is I want a massive thanks to Cal. Um, and the other boys from uh, Big Bass Dreams Australia who put together put together that YouTube video that night um, and posted it. Thank you very much. And also thanks, Cal, to sitting down and having a chat with me. Thanks to Clint as well for having a chat and sharing his opinions on, on you know, the water rollover and what he thinks has happened with the fishing slowing down. Also, massive thanks to um, Adam Smith and Chris Cottrell um, from the social fishing team. The boys did a lot of research over the last couple of days. Um, Adam made a lot of calls to fisheries um, and Chris has, Chris has talked to a lot of locals and found out quite a lot of info. A massive thanks as well to Cameron Lay from uh, DPI Fisheries for that really quick interview. He's very busy uh, at such short notice but he's, him and his team are doing a great job uh, so hopefully we hear back uh, results uh, from the work they're doing very, very soon and like we said, the details they've given us are the most accurate. All the other content that we've uh, sort of shown you and shared with you is just based, loosely based stuff that we We've heard which kind of adds up um, to this fish death but whatever it is fingers crossed for a good outcome and also yeah a, a big thanks to Jack and Tal for sending through those photos which we've used um, from the lake and another thing I don't uh, think I covered yet in the podcast uh, I don't think I mentioned it was Junima as well has actually uh, seen a couple of fish kills come through so the fish in Junamar Pondage, the the lake above, um, a few people have sighted some some dead cod there, just from what I've heard and photos on social media. So, you know, that means that it and the pine plantation is there. So whether this cold snap has affected both lakes and fish have died, or the contamination has affected both lakes, but something environmental has happened because it's happened in both. There's a sightings in Junamar Dam, uh, Pondage, sorry, Junamar Pondage, and also Blaring Dam. So that's just another thing that I just wanted to mention. I wasn't sure if I covered that in the episode but I wanted to touch on that as well but uh, we can all you can all form your own opinion from that if you have any thoughts on it um, if you know anything if you want to share anything um, please send us through your messages um, comment on Facebook posts that we put up send us some emails uh, send us through the photos if you find any fish if you just take some photos send them through to us um, and we'll just keep the conversation going around this we will do an update um, in a future podcast and in a future piece for the website we'll update you on what fisheries find and come up with 
from the episode. So thank you very much to everyone who contributed. Thanks, guys, for listening. And um, I hope you enjoyed and learned something from that. Please send through your opinions and let us know um, what you think. So until the next episode, guys, we'll have a new episode coming up very soon, hopefully on a much lighter topic, all about helping you guys catch a big fish. So once again, thank you for joining in to the Social Fishing Podcast. And on a lighter note, go out there and enjoy the pod opening on December 1st, Sunday. And I really hope you guys will see you.